the struggles in making, regardless of what it is that you make, is the tendency to compare ourselves to the artists who inspire us. But what do you do when the work you produce isn't even close to the work of your creative heroes? Well, some give up, while others see slight missteps and outright failures as necessary components in the creative process. Disappointment with what we make can be creative fuel, and being creatively off-balance can lead us to new ideas and directions that we never could have planned. Our appreciation of the work we do in the wake is often directly proportional to the effort we put into it. I'm Jeffrey Sidoris, I'm talking to John Wilkening, and this is In Between. Yeah, much better. Much better. Uh, yeah. So, so wait, um, where, where, where we, we, we do this a lot. We, we talk about stuff and we go, ah, oh, we should have been recording. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. This is the first time you've actually let go. Hey, stop that thought. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> uh, yeah. And now I don't remember where, where it was. Something like, what so, was it? So you're... You were talking about music oh, and right. sort of your inspiration right. and how through sort of the, I don't know how to put the label on, but like alternative music, you discovered and sort of fell in love with like the work of David Carson. And you made a comment about how you're incapable of designing that way. Oh, yeah. That every time you tried, it, it's been terrible. But it's still, try, try in the present. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I asked if the reason you think it's terrible is that you judge your current, your beginning work on the, the work that Carson and everyone has put out and that in that process, you don't allow yourself to grow to the point of Carson. And the quote that really sort of jumps to mind when I like sort of that drove this question is I forget who said it, but it's, it basically it was, don't judge your beginning by someone else's middle. Oh man, that's a great quote. Because like I look at you and I see someone who's fi- been able to figure out pretty much anything they get their hands on. You know, you look at you look at your career and you've had so many twists and turns, and you've become far more proficient at those each one of those endeavors then you'd probably grant, give yourself credit for. But what I see anytime you do anything that sort of gets close to a, like Carson mm-hmm. is that you go, it's not David Carson. And it's like one of those where you're like, y- your love of Carson's work is so, so deep that you just look at your, your work and go, that's garbage. Right, right. Well, and I think it happens with a lot of those guys. A lot of those guys that I was introduced to at that time, um, Chris Big, Vaughn Oliver, David Carson, of course, um, the different publications that they were a part of, um, Attic Design, that was another kind of design firm that was that was really pushing the edge and and doing really sort of out there stuff. And it's it's almost like listening to like there is there's some of John Coltrane for example that I can listen to and go oh man this is this is the pinnacle right this is I get this or Miles Davis I get this or Dizzy Gillespie I get this but then there's other stuff by those artists where 
because they were stretching and pushing and pulling in different directions and they're so far their understanding of that is so far above me i i just feel lost i feel like i can't even process what i'm listening to and i feel that way about certain types of design where i can appreciate it from the standpoint of the effort that goes into it and i can i can even maybe even sometimes see where that came from like what sort of twists and turns and influences had to had to be present for you to get there but in trying to get there myself i feel like i fail miserably mm, okay i can sort of see that is it do you think so this sort of analysis coming from a very much a non-designer mm -hmm. but when i see someone like though you know the carson and those guys mm -hmm. that is the the jazz of design work where they're taking so, yeah. they, they're taking it's like the rule the rules aren't obvious they're taking things that shouldn't work but somehow work together right in this free flowing loosely held design yes and in reality that type of work is so much more difficult because you have to understand the rules at such an intrinsic level that you know how to basically violate all the rules and the sum total of it work. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Or Whereas, not be aware of the rules at all. Not be aware yeah. of what you should or shouldn't be doing. That's the other side mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. But like I would almost argue that you can't like if I tried to do that design work with no knowledge of it most of that would be garbage because me not knowing the rules, I then create work that just violates the, the intrinsic art, like things in such a way that you, when you look at it, you're like that, that doesn't work. Right. But don't, don't you get that it, on some level with your photography? I mean, you, you broke some of the rules of photography with, with your pinhole work and, and established yeah. yourself as kind of, one of the guys doing that kind of work. Yeah, but like I knew those rules. Mm -hmm. I know the rules. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In the world of photography, I know the what you should be doing. I know the rules of thirds. I know sharpness. I know like all those things so that when I purposely go about my work, I'm purposely violating the rules that I know to be in place. Mm-hmm. But then what I'm doing is I'm trying, I'm in essence through experimentations, figuring out another set rule set right? That, that, that works so that when you look at it and you go, it's not sharp, it's not like all these things that more traditional photography works on. I'm like, well, I'm not playing by those rules. I'm playing by this rules. I'm playing by using contrast and using this, using that, figuring out the things that would elevate the work from just pure like blur happenstance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're, you're playing by that. more of the rules of a painter than a photographer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when I look at Carson's work, there are there are something going on to where you look at it and go, that is a visually pleasing image and not just a mess low mess of experimentation. Yes, and to me that type of work that type of understanding of those rules only comes through experimentation 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. I mean, and I, and I, like I look at that work, especially some of the new collage work that he's been doing. I, I look at that final work and it, it blows me away. But part of the reason that it blows me away is I can't see how he got there. Exactly. I don't see, oh, if you would just go step, 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 this is what you end up with. My design thought process currently doesn't work that way. Yeah. But like the only way to get to that point is to just create work. Mm -hmm. But I think the hang up is you. It, it's hard, hard. To, you know, I've, I've learned in in relationships not to use you statements, but here you go. No, go ahead. Hit me. You make it, <laughs> but, make it work. <laughs> but you, but you in your work are often a perfectionist. And that's why you produce such good work is that you go, Hey, this podcast that 95% of people would listen to and go, the sound quality is perfect. You go, I hear the, I hear something bouncing off my closet door. Right, 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 right. And, and, so, and get frustrated because there's nothing I can do about it at the moment. Yeah. What, and so like when you create the work, like a Carson-esque work, you feel lost because you don't know the rules. You judge your work because it's not the level of the work that you admire and you don't see the way to get to that point. Mm -hmm. Or I also don't see a way to make it my own because I've put some imaginary target of what it should be out in front of it. Yeah, but I, I would, would counter-argue that you will always make the work your own if you just do enough of it. Mm -hmm. Because you can't produce work for any length of time, that's just a pure rip-off copy of somebody. Right, right, Knowing right. you. I think you're right. And I think we're, we're already seeing, I'm already seeing the work change this year over last year because for the last few years, I didn't produce a lot. And I've already mm -hmm. produced, you know, four times the number of, of pieces this year so far that I did all of last year, closing in on five times. And with each new piece... I'm seeing, I'm seeing differences. Maybe other people wouldn't see them as readily, but I'm seeing differences in um, how how tight they are and and conceptually where I'm trying to go with them. Yeah, granted, this opinion is coming from a non-painter, but to me, the work that you create and the like has you have to work through your ideas on canvas. Yeah, I, I, I would argue that you couldn't sit at a notebook and iterate on a notebook your way to a great painting. The only way to do or, that, or even would a be, halfway decent one, in my case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, and I think that's why there are typically, you know, two or three or four underpaintings because I am working it out. I'm working it out on the substrate. Mm -hmm. trying to figure out where it's going to go and and trying to be trying to be present with the materials enough to let it go where it needs to go without sort of you know clamping down the 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 what I think to be true about about you know something we keep coming back to the rules you know whatever that means mm -hmm. yeah and what's funny is that when I look at your paintings I see a lot of like the ideas behind like the David Carson work. Hmm. 
in your paintings and not so much in like the direct you know design work ripoff yeah but you're layering things on top of each other they're dirty they're messy they're the painting equivalent of some of his design work yeah thank you or at least or at least a thought thread i wonder if we all at some point or maybe even several points along that sort of continuum do we look at our own work and it's it's not that we're dissatisfied with it but we go would it be more interesting if dot 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 i i would argue that dissatisfaction is vital in your evolution as an artist yeah because you don't change if you're satisfied with your work. You don't evolve. You don't push yourself beyond what you're currently doing if you're 100% satisfied with your work. Right, right. And Then I should be changing what, like crazy because I am so dissatisfied most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, an evolutionary but, machine, mister. <laughs> but, but like, I, I think, but I think that change in that evolution has to come through the doing rather than just the dissatisfaction. Yeah. And I think, I think that's where, where people get hung up is that they get so wrapped up in, or not even wrapped up, but they get so afraid of producing bad work that, that once they, so once once you get to the point in your sort of artistic endeavor where you're producing good work and people are, are recognizing you for producing good work, to then knowingly step out and produce subpar work is a hard mental state to do. Sure, like that's a it, it's it's something that like I've had to wrestle because so like. I've I've gotten known for that impressionist street work that I've done. Mm -hmm. But if you look at my Instagram account, you don't you have to scroll a ways to actually hit it. Right. Why is that? It, because I because I wanted to to do I want the ability to tell more stories than what impressionist street photography gives me. So it's a limitation. In, in that case, it's a limitation of the medium. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And so a lot of what you see right now is I bet I li live in the outskirts of Philadelphia in a small, like a suburb town. And I've wanted, I've, I basically want to produce work in this, t there's a body of work in this town, photographing the town because it's, it's so small it's small enough that it's really easy to hit the obvious photographs mm -hmm. and i want to push myself beyond just the obvious to then really push myself to really tell the story of this town through multiple years and like one of the and build one of those bodies of works on this very specific thing but what i but what i've felt is is that i'm pretty a lot of those pictures have been like in terms of skill level subpar comparing to my other work 
or my audience just is like, well, that's not what you do. Right. Whatever. How, the okay. How do you, how do you get to, how do you sort of quantify them as subpar when they're so completely different from that previous work? How, how do you, how do you make a value judgment? Like what, what are you basing the quality on if it's so different? Um, my, the, this is sort of back to you, how you view your work for, versus Carson. There's a lot of my work around Ambler has been influenced by a couple of photographers. And I'm judging my work specifically against those photographers. Mm -hmm. I like, I love, um, I, I think I gave you his book, uh, quasi quasi Boyd Bolton. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a photographer out of uh, LA. Yeah. He, he shoots LA and sort of this, he has a, he calls it American landscapes and it's like, the way I described it when I interviewed him for my podcast a while back was that he's what I would describe as a landscape photographer who shoots in the city. Mm -hmm. And he, he's basically photographing a changing Los Angeles. Right. Uh, standpoints. And, you know, his style has been hugely influential. Uh, Nate Matos up in, in Port, uh, Portland, Oregon, hugely influential. Like, there's these guys that, you know, Caleb Jenkins, like, there's these guys that, like, have this style that's so different than what I shoot that I've, like, it took me a while to sort of get it. Do and you now see that it I, coming through in your own work yet? Slowly. Yeah. Slowly. Yeah. There, There's... It's one of those where, like, I'll get a roll of film back and there'll be, like, a frame that there's a frame that sort of defines what I want. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, that's that's where I'm getting. I'm moving closer to that. I'm sort of building that, you know, like, you is know, it, I is see it encouraging that. that you see it a little bit at a time or is it frustrating that you don't see it enough? Uh, both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but I think creative work thrives on having that like that rock to grind it against, that hard thing to to push against. You know, I I like I completely reject the notion that creative work needs like depression and like alcohol and sort of those ass those bad negative things. But I agree that it needs you need a creative obstacle to to like push against, right? To really get the work, yeah. that you want, yeah, yeah. You you are a big proponent of being almost in a in a constant state of being off balance creatively, in order for new work, new good work to emerge. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, you know, it's like the the worst creative project you can get gives a creative is go. Hey, do anything. Oh, I can't stand that. <laughs> I can't stand that. And, you know, if take this all those all the way back to this the start of this, you know, start of this conversation. I think for you painting sort of in that style of Carson, it feels a little like being pushed out without the constraint of the rules. You know, that 
that you you talk about you have no idea where to push the work mm-hmm. other than pure copying right now right you know uh, but i think if you if you created artificial rules and then basically just produced work even if it was garbage in your eyes that what would happen is you would find your footing and an idea and a thread that you creative thread that you could pull on that you know a year later from now you're you look at your work and go not only is that something it's my something yeah i think that's right i mean i think that's what i'm either con- hopefully consciously but either consciously or subconsciously trying to do with the new work while still holding on to to some of the narrative qualities of some of the previous work do you know what i mean yeah no that it makes sense considering you know we've talked a lot that you know you light up when when it comes to stories yeah like you know it's it's something that you you could probably sum up what you do in a in totality as you're a storyteller yeah but that's that's one of those words like authentic right that gets thrown <laughs> around um I mean, I like that and and thanks, but, you know, some of the people that I really find myself drawn to think in such a different way or seem to think in such such a different way. And and maybe that's the rub. Maybe they're not thinking in a different way at all. It's in the execution. Maybe we're we're trying to get to the same place thematically or narratively. They're just pulling from a different toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could I could totally see that. And I think that's the beauty of anytime you try to produce work very similar to other artists is that I would argue that you can't do that for very long without starting to pull from your own experiences and toolboxes. Right. You know, the the work I create was very much a reaction to Ernst Haas's work. And we've talked about this in on, uh, I think, uh, Process Driven. Yep where I looked at his work and I said, I want to create that, but I want to create it with a very different tool. And that singular decision of the tool to use changed entirely how the work came out. Yeah, yeah. Has it been intentional or, or do, you allow their, do you allow the unintentional to creep in? I mean, that I think that's part of what I'm wrestling with is is do I keep trying to shoehorn this work into some sort of aesthetic or do I just keep my hands in motion and let it go where it wants to go? And that, that seems to be the push and pull every time I'm working through a new piece of work. Mm. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I don't really know how to, what's the right answer to that question. Mm -hmm. I think there's, there's a beauty to trying to, trying to shoehorn and force something into a creative endeavor. Right. Because you'll learn real quickly whether it can or can't do that. <laughs> and have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, like, like, I don't, as much as I love making wide-sweeping statements, I think there's not a right or wrong answer to that. Mm-hmm. I think there. As long as you are learning and sort of 
reacting to the work you create so that that your new work is informed by your old work and there's some sort of like feedback loop that you're sort of acknowledging you're not just head down just producing work i think any of the either one of those options is valid yeah i think i think you're right and i think that's one of the reasons that I'm I'm also sort of in parallel to all this trying to figure out what my photography looks like. And I think with regard to the photography, part of the process that I I am choosing to go through is creating small portfolios in the style of some of my photographic heroes, and that could be a single image or it could be, you know, multiple images to see what comes out on the other side because it's not just going to look like them. It's not I'm never going to create an Irving Penn photo. I'm never going to create a, a Gregory Crudson photo. But if I can pull some of that stuff, you know, some of their compositional strengths or some of the aesthetic strengths into my filter and then see what comes out the other side, that's what I think would be, I think that would be an interesting experiment. Yeah. And I, I think that what happens is then say you take a bunch of Portraits very similar to Irving Penn. Mm -hmm. But then you take, I don't know, you you also are playing with something work that's more like Robert Frank. Right. And then there's an interesting middle where it's like a part of Penn, part of Frank. Then you maybe throw in like, I don't know, pick someone in Crutzen. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you start layering things. And that's where... That's where new interesting work is born out of. Do, let me ask you this. Do you, do you think, and this might be, there might not be an answer for this, but do you think that it is the odds of creating interesting work are better with some sort of backstory of inspiration or going at a completely new direction without without the net of, of those who came before you? I mean, it, and it's a strange question because I don't, I don't know that we can find anything that hasn't been done in some way before. Um, personally, I, I think that it is very hard to produce work from the jump that is entirely yours and different than anything that's come before you. Right. Because that is a... That is one of those intellectual, like you have to shoot so far outside of the norm and land to be able to do that in one shot. Mm -hmm. That I think the more sustainable option is to just keep on iterating on your work and that taking basically taking little small bets or small like experiments. And then, and then looking at it and go, is this what I want to be doing? Is there something in here? Is there an idea inside this frame that I like that I could take and maybe expand on, maybe do something different, like build upon that? Right. I don't, and I, I would probably argue that most groundbreaking work, it was built by that process. Then all of a sudden someone came out with this just crazy work and you know they are who they are from the jump right you know i I'd, I'd imagine if you looked at you looked at crudson's work mm -hmm. there there is probably plenty of images from crudson before he was crudson 
or you even see it like with the Dan Winters book, um, his big book that you love. Oh, uh, Road to Seeing. Yeah. Road to Seeing. Yeah. You look at that first half of that book, you see Dan Winters become Dan Winters. Through those Absolutely. Pages. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think to be clear, that's one of the big draws for me to that book is, is it's not written in hindsight. It's not a monograph. It's not a here, let's celebrate, you know, my body of work. It's here's how I got there. Here's, here's the Mm -hmm. story of me becoming me in terms of who you know me to be now, like photographically anyway. Yeah. I think that back to that initial quote of like, don't judge your beginning by someone else's middle is that we want to we want from the beginning to produce work that you only earn in the middle right <laughs> what's wrong with that at the start <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't want to um, earn it john i just want to be able to make it <laughs> every every everyone who picks up a, the camera like does vlogs wants to be casey neistat from right. his jump right 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 yeah. And, and then if you go back and look, Casey wasn't Casey at the jump. Casey had to become right. Casey. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where you have to decide if you want to create that work and then you have to earn that work. And I think, you know, it's one of those things where like talking about that project on Ambler, if I wanted this body of work to be what I imagined it could be, I have to earn that work. Mm hmm. And that means going through the learning process. It means all those roles where you're like, that didn't turn out. That's boring. Right. Right. Like, were you this self-aware about your work 20 years ago or does even, (laughs) do do you even have to earn the awareness to realize that you have to earn the work? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I stopped painting back in the day. Right. I'm never, I'm never going to be this. Well, no, you're not because you haven't earned it. No. Yeah. You don't yeah, get to no, just show up. You know, I had a conversation uh, with, over a pizza and beer with a friend yesterday where I talked about like some of the more personal decisions in my life. In hindsight, I could see how they how they played out. Mm-hmm. But I could never go back and judge myself X number of years ago for making that decision. Right. When I didn't know what I know now to realize that there was a different decision available to me. Mm-hmm. It's only through going through that, making that decision and going through the life that has transpired since that decision that I understand that decision. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there is something to the idea that everything, eh, maybe not everything, but everything worthwhile anyway, has to be earned. Oh, yeah. And that's that's what makes it worthwhile. Right. The earning. Yeah. Yeah. You don't appreciate the easy. You don't appreciate the things that are just given to you. You appreciate the things you have to work your ass off for. Right. <laughs> you know, you don't you you just see the Beatles becoming the largest band in the world. You don't see them playing three shows a night, four shows a night every night. You don't see that type of work. The same with like, you know, we've talked about Magnum's contact sheets so much. Mm-hmm. You don't see the, what came before or came after those, those images that we've all seen. Right. 
there is this this notion of patience, which is sometimes difficult because you you want to arrive. You want to get to the good work. You want to get to the stuff that's interesting. You want to get to the stuff. You want to be able to make the stuff that you yourself want to look at, right? Yeah. And that's a difficult acceptance. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to work through those those crap projects to get to the good ones. Yeah, no, 100%. And I would argue that those crap projects have value buried in them. Because but you don't see that when you're young. You don't see that when you're when you're sort of impetuous and wanting to be something or someone. You don't see the value in the failures and the mistakes. You just see them no. as failures and mistakes. <laughs> That's something you learn through experience. And but if you focus and look at everything you create from the standpoint of like you made a decision to create that. Mm-hmm. And in that decision, there's some sort of truth. There's some sort of interesting thing. And it's sort of, the, I think, that famous, like, uh, Philip Glass quote, where they talk about where creative people, like, what they have great taste, but they don't have the talent to execute that taste. Hmm. Um, here, I'm pulling it up. Um, let's see. Uh, nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone told me all of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste, but there's this gap for the first couple of years. You make stuff. It's just not that good. You're trying to be good. It has potential, but it's not, but your taste, the thing that got you in the game is still killer. And your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through years of this. We know uh, our work doesn't have this special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this and it's you that just turning out or you're still in this phase. You got to know it's normal. And the most important thing you do is a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you finish one story. It's only by going through the volume of work that you will close that gap and your work will be good as your ambition. It took longer to figure out how to do this than anyone I've ever met. It's going to take a while. It's normal to take a while. You just got to fight your way through this. That was from Ira Glass. That's really cool. Ira Glass, not Philip Glass. Yeah. yeah. Wrong, wrong glass. Wrong glass. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> no. And so like round this all the way back, I think that sums up your, your Carson-esque graphic design in a nutshell. You have the taste. You have the ambition. You just, there's a gap. Right. And that gap may never be filled. And, and what I need to do, and I think what all of us need to do, is be okay with that gap never being filled and, and not getting t- to that person. Whoever, whoever, whoever you're holding up as your ideal or as your sort of pinnacle of the kind of work that you want to create. Because if you get there, you, you won't, you'll get to them. You won't get to you. And I mm-hmm. think that's, that's the, the hard part in all of this is, is not really knowing because we all want to know, right? We want to know who we are, what we are, what the work is that we're going to create. And we have to be okay with, with arriving there and going, wow, this is interesting. 
and it not being yeah. that person that 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 we you know sort of held up as as the gold standard mhm because what happens is when we ha- we cl- start closing that gap the target changes to something that's more like the work we can create mm-hmm. than the the hero we want to imitate mhm mhm yeah no i think i think that's exactly right and i know that intellectually (laughs) 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 but every time you you know every time i look at maybe not every time but often when i look at my own work whether it's something i've written something i've painted something i've photographed i just see where it missed the mark and that overshadows any mark that it may have hit maybe maybe if you if you looked at your that work and instead in and go, I know it's bad. I'm just going to. Well, it's not I, bad. I mean, given. come on, man. Give me but some like, credit. It's not, I'm not saying it's all bad. <laughs> well, you never share it, so I don't know. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> but like, whatever, like you're, you look at it and you go, I'm not going to, I'm going to ignore the things that I don't like about this. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I go, can I find one element that I like? Can I find one thing that I'm like, okay, that I did, I did, <laughs> I did a good job with this little piece. Right. The drop shadows look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> King of drop shadows over yeah, here. Yeah. I, I had so, a, it's funny. I had a professor, my, well, Herb, I've talked about him before, but he was a, a, acutely aware of the crutches that his students would fall back on right in their work Mm -hmm. and he would routinely uh when you would bring in a a piece for critique he would routinely go what do you like about this what 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 element of this do you think works the best and you'd tell him and he'd go okay take that out and go redo it take out that thing that you keep because you'll find that that thing that you like appears quite often it becomes either consciously or subconsciously the, the, the crutch that you lean on in your work. So his thing was, I'm going to kick this crutch out from under you and see if you can still stand up. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to fall to the ground, but sometimes you're going to wobble and then sometimes you're going to stand tall. Yeah. No, th- to be honest, that's a brilliant way to, ha- to deal with that. Mm-hmm. I always hated him for it, though. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> it was a love hate. Like, I know you're right, but damn it, I spent so long on this, and now you want me to go redo it because I used this thing again, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd, I, could, I could be like, I could totally see that being like, God damn it. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> but you see that over and over. I mean, you see that in Instagram. You see similar characteristics or features of people's work appear over and over and over again in that work. And Mm -hmm. to the point you made earlier about being sort of creatively off balance, that's, I think that's where I'm trying to get is, is to be able to be okay with feeling creatively off balance and to be okay with the work that comes out of it, even if it doesn't hit this arbitrary mark that I thought that it should hit when I started making it, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, I think we, we get something out of being off balance and landing something. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that feels a lot better than, you know, 
doing something you know you can do. Right. Well, and it sounds like that's one of the factors that led you to sort of put down the pinhole work, at least for now. Yeah. Yeah. I know I can make this interesting. I know that I can that I can create this and it'll land. I'm not so sure about this other stuff over here. So this is where I need to be for a while. Yeah, no, it, it, it became one of those things where it's like, I could keep on exploring this idea or let me play with something. Oh, in essence, almost try to produce work that I, that I'm really resonating with right now Mm -hmm. and see if I could do it myself in this, in this, the framework of right. this project. Right. See what comes out the other side. Yeah. 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 Are you happy with where it's at right now? Or are you um, are you are you at least happy enough to continue and see where it goes? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm happy enough with that. The value of the project is still very much there. Mm-hmm. And the interest in the project is very much there. And it's encouraging that my execution and what I want to produce is getting closer to what I want. But I also created a project that is purposefully extremely long and sort of, in, in essence, arduous because I wanted something that I could continually butt my head against and sort of play with and sort of work on. And that if it needed to, it could slip in the background for times. It mm-hmm. can pop back up to the floor. Like, but it's always there, like slow burning. Because I I know that the lessons that and the things I figure out in this project, I'll be able to apply elsewhere. Right. So you don't see this as necessarily having an arrival. There, there's no situation where you go, okay, I'm done with this. It just continues in the background and forming other things along the way. As of right now, that statement's correct. Yeah. But I also understand, like, I could to- also totally see getting to the point where I'm like, okay, it's done. Right. I've done, <laughs> I, I've gotten all I can get or I've, or I've delivered all I can out of this. Yeah. Or, yeah. or I move or, I, you know, like fill in the blank, life changes. You know, there's, there's so many different factors that could change the outcome of this project. Mm -hmm. But I think giving myself something like that, where it's like, this is going to be a a project where I know, even, even though I've hit my head against the wall already with this, that I will hit my head against the wall again at some point, you know, like it's, it just becomes something I'll continually wrestle with. Right. And I like that possibility. Did you know that if you subscribe to Jeffrey Sidoris Everything in your favorite podcast app, you'll get every in-between, every iteration, every process-driven, as well as special one-off conversations all in one feed? It's true. Connect with me on Instagram and Twitter, at Jeffrey Sidoris. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S. Or on my website at jeffreysidoris.com. You can email me at talkback at jeffreysedoris.com. If you have ideas for the show or just want to share what you're up to, drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. You can find John on Instagram at John Wilkening. That's J-O-N-W-I-L-K-E-N-I-N-G. Or by visiting his website at johnwilkening.com. And as always, thank you very much for listening. I appreciate your time and I'll talk to you on the next one.